Hey everyone, I'm Alex Cantor. And I'm Lily Rosenthal. Welcome to our podcast, Hot Pastrami. We are coming to you from our favorite booth at Cantor's Deli here in LA. We're going to invite some of our friends to join us for a chat over some matzo ball soup and pastrami sandwiches. So join us for new episodes of Hot Pastrami every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you soon. Bye. Welcome to Live Boldly with Sarah Shelton Kranz, a survivor, thriver, adventurer, and believer in all things possible. My mission is to guide others to live their life boldly, regardless of circumstances. I believe we all have the power to overcome and lead joy-filled, happy lives. Recorded from the trail or in my office, I share inspiring stories from everyday people because we all deserve to be heard. You will also hear from handpicked professionals ready to guide you beside me. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hi friends, welcome to another episode of Live Boldly. We are in week, I'm not even sure which due to this uh, COVID-19 pandemic. I would like to extend my deepest gratitude, love and strength to all of you working on the front lines. I've been in touch with uh, my friends who are nurses and doctors and in the law enforcement, and I just want to simply say thank you. So to all of you that are in isolation and perhaps feeling a little bit restless, I actually uh, put onto my website just this week a new blog. It's about the seven steps to bring nature indoors. These are the tools that I am using during this time because I don't have access to the mountains, to the ocean, or to the beach uh, right now. And so for me, I also do need to still access nature in a way that can calm me, lessen my anxiety, you know, can um, give me uh, some clarity along the way. So please go into my website, sarahsholtoncrans.com, and you can check out the blog post there. Also, we have moved everybody from our April retreat, um, Grand Canyon retreat, into July. We do have three spots left. Um, we have taken what is typically an eight-week program and made it into five months at no additional cost. Um, this was, it just felt really right to me and my heart and my soul. And I got to tell you, it has really been powerful. So if this is something that you'd be interested in, we um, have our calls right now. We have our retreat, which is going to be running from July 9th to the 13th. It is two nights at the bottom. It's five days at the Grand Canyon. Uh, it is going to be so powerful. And a lot of what I am writing in my book um, about forgiveness and also just the, the seven steps to get there, we are going to be using a lot of the meditations when we are down inside that Grand Canyon. So if this sounds like something you'd be interested in, please reach out to me, DM me, send me a message, and let's connect. So I want to talk about Amy Van Slambrook. She is my next guest on my uh, podcast. She's a licensed psychotherapist and coach. Um, she uses her personal journey of healing lifelong traumas to help others do the same by giving voice to the unhealed wounds affecting their lives and relationships. So Amy is friends with Tim Story. And if you went in and listened last uh in my last episode, Tim and I had a powerful conversation about um, forgiveness. 
And you know, Amy and I had a powerful conversation about trauma. So it was a really good, um, a really good conversation about our own lifelong traumas and how we have dealt with them. We talked about the holistic approach, and it's really cool because Amy brings a vast experience to her work. She has trained with some of the foremost experts in the fields of faith, relationships, trauma, women's issues, abuse recovery, brain health, and functional medicine including Dr. Bessel van der Kolk, who, by the way, I do talk about in my book. She's also trained with Dr. Daniel Amen. I encourage you to grab your journal, grab your favorite drink, curl on up, and listen to this podcast. Uh, take notes because let me tell you, there are a lot of great tools, tips, and tricks that we share from our own personal experience and in our professional work. Hi, Amy. It is awesome to have you here today. Um, we have been we've been trying to get back and forth, like we've been trying to make this work. And welcome to the way that the world is working right now, where you have to be so flexible. And I appreciate so much your time being here today. And um, I, I just I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled to actually meet you and see you. I I feel the same way, Sarah. I know this is a kind of time we all have to be agile in ways we never thought possible and I just sense such an immediate connection with you and so I'm honored to be here thank you get a chance to share with your audience thank you yeah it's funny when I had Tim on now you know Tim's story um you're friends with him and when I had him on uh we were laughing because my phone went off twice in my computer or maybe it was twice my, my home line, which who has a home line anymore, but I have a home line and I didn't even know that was working. And my home line went off and my computer line went off. And I was like, welcome to living now. And I wasn't in my office because my office was being used by my niece for quarantine. And I was like, sorry, Tim, this is what it is. And I left it right in. I left it all in the, the recorded um, interview and it was just it was kind of funny because that's where we're at and that's okay. Oh my gosh. I love it. And I love that we're seeing so many people being interviewed in their homes and really having to work in their homes. It's just providing such a such a neat vulnerability and connection for people, even though we think that we're more distant in so many ways, getting to see the real side of so many people. Yeah, I agree. I agree. There is There are beautiful um, moments of gratitude that could be had in, in all of this. So I want to talk a little bit about um, your story to begin with, because you and I have um, some similar backgrounds and some not, but I, I really... Um, I'm really excited to hear about where you have come from because you're this tremendous therapist and you do so many amazing things here today. So could you please dive into your background a little bit? Um, that story of who you are story is so important. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for that, Sarah. It is, you know, you, you've developed a sense of, um, of a bond with people who have been through similar traumas. And I think that's just such a special thing because for so many years, and I, I know you found this to be true as well, just hearing some of your stories, we, we live so separately and in such isolation when we're in the worst pain of our lives and we need connection more than ever. And we live in silence, whether it's because of shame or because we simply don't have the words. And for me, both of those things were true. Um, trauma actually deactivates the language center of the brain, which sort of helps 
understanding at some point, but for me, when I was first abused at the age of five, um, that was when the message really got hammered into my soul, you know, that I, I should try to do this on my own, which is exactly what I tried to do. I tried to tell someone, um, but that message didn't get through. And I remember it so vividly, you know, it's frozen in time for me. Um, and it was a violation that, that I couldn't even absorb, you know, and I lived with thinking I can get through this on my own until I was about 25. Um, but in between that earliest incident and being 25, I went through some emotional abuse as a teenager and rape. Um, I also was in a couple of pretty toxic relationships and actually got married. Um, and it was a really painful marriage that ended just four years later. You know, we were we were very very young, and then going through through my divorce kind of shook my whole core. It made me reevaluate every single part of my life, everything that I'd been taught growing up in the Midwest. I was a, a minister's daughter, and I estranged from my family for a couple of years because I really needed to understand who I was. You know, but still so much of this was internal um, and I was trying to hold it together and be a high achiever on the outside until I realized that everybody in the world was seeing that I was anorexic and um, got on the scale one day and weighed what I did when I was nine and that somehow broke through to me um, and that's when I say my silence started to be broken. Um, because at that point, I was so determined to get well, so determined to start helping people um, and really start to, to restore my life. And that's been my journey for now the past um, mm, 22 years. Wow. wow. <laughs> so I went through about 10 years of therapy and um, with an amazing therapist who is literally a gift from God. Um, and she helped me put together all of the pieces, you know, and, and finally voice um, all of the things that were going on inside of me and also my message. So, yeah, that's beautiful. You're very, um, it's interesting how many people don't, they get very ashamed by their traumas. Mm -hmm. And instead of looking at them as a possibility for their deepest growth, they push it under the rug and uh, choose to set it aside or put it on a put it in a little black box and set it on a shelf and say, I don't want to look at that. Um, and you having that determination to do that is what brought you here. So that's it's a beautiful gift. It's a really beautiful. My hope is that we um, can begin to take that thought process on traumas or something to be ashamed of. When in reality, so many of us in this world actually walk through them, with them, have them, right? And so, yeah, thank you for that. Thank you for sharing that. Oh, thank you. Thank you for asking. You know, I, I focus so much of my work on helping people see that their traumas can become their treasure. You mm -hmm. know, we can empower them. And we don't have to be afraid of it. If we cower and just constantly run from it, that's actually not a power move. You know, that's acknowledging that somehow it's bigger than we are. 
is what I've found in the women and couples I work with is that when we face that head on and I do that with them, I say, we're not going to be scared of this. We're going to take the message and the lesson from it and help you heal because of it. And I know you do so much of that transformational work um, in your work with women and helping them to, to actually bring that into the light. But 80% of adults have been through some sort of trauma. Yeah. Or has gone through childhood sexual abuse. And so um, we actually are walking around with more people with trauma than without it. Yeah. Can I ask you a question? Um, <clears throat> I know for me, we're going to have like a little one-on-one here with, with my little friend here. I love this because, um, you know, when I see somebody in front of me and I'm like, did you have this happen? You know, did you um, ever have a point where you also could look back and say, and I, and I want to know when that point was in your life, when you could look back and say, oh, this makes sense how I got to this place. Oh, this 100%. makes 100%. Um, when was that for you? I think the first time, because it happens about a million times, you know, when finally it's yeah. like, well, that's understandable. Now I get it. And it seems so obvious when you realize it, like how yeah. could I do that for 20 years? Um, but I think it, it was understanding why I would have been silent about it, you know, and having my therapist actually put that in front of me, you know, and say, this is why you have tried to be so self-sufficient and you've isolated in your pain and you've hidden your voice because that, that moment of abuse, you know, and this happens for so many people who go through that the perpetrator actually makes you feel to blame. And so you live thinking, oh, I was, I was too much in that situation. You know, I asked too many questions or I was this or I was that, but somehow you brought it on yourself, you know, and, and having my therapist really clarify that. I mean, it literally was like the, the whole world shifted, you know, and, and suddenly, and, and the women I work with go through this, when you start to connect the emotions Mm-hmm. the trauma it is like you suddenly see that flowers are yellow that the sky is blue that the, the leaves on the tree you you experience life in a three-dimensional way and you didn't even realize that you were in a two-dimensional world for so long because that's what trauma puts us in yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because um, I think that there are so many moments in my own life too, where I look back and I, and I, for me, my rape at 17, it was, oh, this makes sense how I'm here today because I, my self-love and my self-worth and my identity was just so shook. Um, and I'm sure you can relate to some of this, right? It's like my intimacy issues, my sexual issues. Like there were so many, there were so many things that were literally pushed under the rug for multiple reasons. And uh, until I actually finally at 40 was like, had the opportunity, I call it an opportunity through my own husband's um, betrayal and through the relational trauma that I went through with him, I had an opportunity to look at that. It was the biggest gift for me because now I see it for what it is. And I'm like, oh, this may not doing this again. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like now we can actually align it and say, okay, here is where the shift needs to happen. Yes. Here is where I need to make different choices, which are going to feel very weird. And I do want to talk to you about that. It's going to feel very weird to make different choices that I didn't make before because of that trauma bonding. So tell me a little bit about that experience for you. How was it for you 
just speak to my audience, those women, those men that are going through this, um, having to make different choices. And they're like, but this feels odd. It feels odd to be loved, to accept the love, to, um, to, to really be able to say, yeah, I'm worthy of this and I deserve this and I receive this. So tell me about that with you. Yeah, I think what was a, what was a surprise to me is that I never thought of myself as having intimacy issues. You know, mm-hmm. I could fall in love quickly and all of those things, but I didn't actually have the sensitivity to see how I was holding that person at arm's length or I was choosing unavailable people because that was that was a guarantee. I'm not going to have to get intimate with that person because they're never going to be available. I'm always going to be pursuing, which is actually about being in control. I date, you know, men where I would need to be the one calling or I would take on that role and start initiating, which is really more about control than anything else. Yeah. You're the one controlling how close you get. And that was, that was sort of my story. I would, I would choose men who, you know, would start out in a really quick way and it would just sweep you off your feet. But now I say the speed with which someone enters your life is usually the speed with which they'll leave, at least in those sorts of relationships um, that really prevented any kind of true intimacy and pacing, you know, comfortable with the gray part of life was really, really hard. And that's usually hard for most people with trauma you know, and then starting to own all of the feelings rather than just a portion of them. I don't know if that makes sense, but I think it's allowing yourself to say, I can feel excited and fearful at the same time. Yes. Feel the joy and also say, this feels a little bit scary because Foreboding joy is is something Brene Brown talks about a lot. For people with trauma, love and joy are both intertwined with pain. Mm -hmm. And and so they don't know love that doesn't have sometimes horrific pain attached to it. And that was true for me too. You know, how can I be my fullest self without being totally rejected, which is what I felt at five you know, whether I felt too curious or asked too many questions or, you know, whatever that illogical conclusion is that I reached, it was saying, you know, no, I am not too much. And it's okay to feel both the feelings. What's important and what I learned is to actually speak those out. And I don't know if this was true for you or not, Sarah, but there's so much power in just saying that out loud, you know, and owning it. Um, it almost takes away the power that it has over you just by speaking it out into the world. And then you don't have to act it out. If you say, I'm afraid, I'm anxious, and I'm joyful, and I want this intimacy, even though it scares me to death, you you are already on your way to actually healing it. Yeah. That's, uh, you, you're speaking my words, girl. <laughs> like you're speaking my words. Well, I have so many clients and I'm sure that you do as well. I, w- I would, I would um, imagine that you do where they come to you and they're like, why am I in the same space that I was in 25, 30, 40 years ago? What's wrong with me? Yes. And, oh, that 
phrase, what's wrong with me? Oh, it just like, it eats me up because there's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with you. And having to then dive back into their past and say, okay, where was the trigger? Where did this start from? Where was that first time that, that this led you then to here and being able to really go there, right? In that moment with them, um, with their five-year-old self, six-year-old self, 17-year-old self, and really take a look at it. And then also being able to say there's hope on the other side. The more that we do speak about it and the more that we have those intimate conversations with the people that we care about and don't hold back, but literally say, yeah, I'm really scared right now. You know, you're with this human being, man, woman, entering your life and you can say, okay, well, this is why I normally would sabotage this, <laughs> right? Because you can see it. I mean, I, that's how I speak about it. And literally like, this is why I would normally sabotage this and I don't want to with you. Mm -hmm. And here's why this is what's gotten me to here. And here's how you can help me, please, because I do want to receive. And um, it's in, for those people that are at that place right now, I speak this, um, Amy and I speak this for every man, male, female that are at this place. There is so much hope. And once you say those words to somebody the first time, even if it's to yourself in a mirror, right? Even if it's to yourself in a mirror, like, yes, I do want to receive. And um, it just, it changes everything. It shifts everything. Yeah, I think one of the most fascinating and heartbreaking things about what you are, are like when you live with trauma is that you automatically exempt yourself from so much of the quote-unquote normal human experience. Mm. And, and you see it, and I don't know if you see this, I'm, I'm guessing you do, is that when you reach the point of healing and you're experiencing that that colorful world and you're in life rather than observing life, you're in your life, you're in your feelings, you, you suddenly start to entertain the possibility of, oh my gosh, I could have a beautiful marriage if that's something somebody wanted. I could have the 2.5 kids and the, the husband that... Yeah. I saw everybody else having, and it's sort of like, I didn't ever realize that I assumed I'd never have that. And, and, oh my gosh, what an amazing thing that I could have that. I could have a happy life. It doesn't have to be one painful, repeated, you know, toxic pattern after, after the other. And I don't have to feel blame and responsibility, you know. I mean, it's just, it's incredible to me when people open up the most basic things are just the, the best gift ever for them. You know, that repeated cycle, I so relate with Sarah because I was in a, a, an abusive, emotionally abusive relationship for about 13 years and I kept cycling back, you know, and, and what's it going to take for me to learn? What's it going to, why do I keep going back? You know, it was this powerful pull and talk about wrestling. It was just, how could I not learn? You know, how could I not see that the same thing was going to happen? And I hear that from so many other women, you know, why am I settling? Um, and what I try to remind them is rather than beating yourself up, if you, you know, been on no contact and then you get back in touch with them is that each time you go, there's going to be a lesson, you know, mm -hmm. that 
there's a lesson there. And, and it's not that I'm encouraging them to go back, but it is saying, don't allow this to defeat you. You know, be determined that you're going to get the lesson and we're going to move you out of it. And that the more you learn, the more you gain your power back, the further away from that kind of pattern you'll be. Yeah. Um, and, and finally break free of it. Yeah. It's interesting. I, <clears throat> I equate it. Um, I know for me too, I had to do that, that I had to go into that same thing for me. I mean, I had um, times where it was like, why do I keep doing this? What's going on here? Right. And, and it's common. That's, it's, that's not an uncommon thing. And for me, I equate forgiveness to being a 12 step program. Right. And so and this is too, like being able to go through that and understand you are reliving life in a different way every single day. And um, in self-forgiveness, for me, it was, a, it was having to give myself a lot of self-forgiveness during that time and saying, girl, like, you look at what you've been through, you know, <laughs> like you've been through a lot and it's, it's, it doesn't, it's not going to end in a day, right? Like this is a, it's, it's a learning that's going to take, it's a process of learning that's going to take a while and that's, it's okay. It's okay. And that's really how I was able to finally let go of all those wounds because even after that relationship had ended and of course it just was like a compounding effect with the others and with my divorce, um, someone had me go through an emotional debt exercise, which was essentially a forgiveness exercise where I just purged every every sort of debt or transgression, if you will, that sort of whatever they took from me, even if it was a small thing, you know, like I remember that one night that X, Y, and Z happened and it was so hurtful, purging all of that onto paper, you know, and I, it took me a couple of months. I just let myself kind of process every time I would sense something that was still a wound, I would purge it onto paper. And with each time, I felt I was letting it go. But what was really ironic, although not surprising given what you said, is that as I released him and all of the other people that came to mind as I was doing this, I ended with myself because I realized the deepest, deepest anger, that deep, deep resentment was really with me. Yeah. And that was just, that was actually on an Easter Sunday. Oh, wow. So I, I'm just, I'm getting tears in my eyes thinking oh, about it. Wow. It's just like, oh my gosh, I, I have held myself in, in the deepest, deepest prison because of this and penalized myself most deeply. So that was a profound shift. And, and that was about six years ago. Wow. 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 It's interesting when um, I had so many people that kept looking at me and saying, none of this was your fault. Why would you even get upset with yourself? None of this was your fault. And for me, and and I'm putting in my book a portion of the things to just try not to say to somebody, (laughs) especially when they're working through their own pains, because I, I, I do believe that they were they thought that they were helping me, right? By saying that it's not your fault. Why would you be so upset with you? And in reality, what was happening was that they were um, dismissing and taking my greatest lessons. And 
I would only then have to remind myself that they're they're do that this person who's saying this to me is doing the best that they can too, right? Mm-hmm. And so it was, and I had to explain that to these people. So many people that said that to me, it's not your fault. Why would you be so upset towards yourself? And um, it's in, I found it to be really fascinating. How wow is that? How we're viewing stuff like this? How this is is this how we're viewing betrayals and different things in society? Because you're right, I didn't cause it but I was there and don't take my biggest lessons from me. Does this resonate with you? Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. That's a very, you know, on the surface, it seems like it's such a comforting statement, you know, here, let me release you um, from any sort of blame you might hold yourself into, but it also is the suggestion of blame and, and that that is a completely worthless activity to be doing. When you said it is such such a deep, deep um, statement, mm-hmm. you know, that wrestling through will allow you to have these amazing insights, um, and ultimately, I think to really love yourself on a whole new level. Yeah, you have to gain compassion for the reaction that you had, or the way the relationship right. went down, or your choice in that person. Um, you know, and, and just all of those things, all of the million, million factors that go into that. So I completely resonate with that. I just, even when people say, well, I wish that didn't happen to you. I'd go through every one of my traumas again, if it led me to where I am now and I'm able to connect and help as many people as I am. Um, because to me, that's, that's, a small price to pay when we're shifting lives and we're doing the work that we're doing. Yeah. You know, why not me? <laughs> well, I always said that. I was like, well, yeah. why not me? Yes. Well, because here's the thing is that by saying why not me, I'm also saying yes, me to the other bigger things like getting a book deal. Yeah. Right. <laughs> because, because why not me? Right. It's like, well, that shouldn't happen to you. Well then, how would I get the other why not me's? Like, it, it just makes sense. Exactly. So, you know, I why not? That. I love that. It, I there's a set of people for whom that's a deserved <laughs> in their lives, you know, who ought it be then if it's not me, you know? Right, exactly. So one of the things that you had mentioned is um, talking about, which is, awesome because this is my jam space is talking about holistic approaches to dealing with trauma and I want to really dive into that and also dive into um, with that you know we are right now at a space of COVID-19 and um, there's so much isolation that's going on and so there are a lot of alternative ways for us to be uh, you know, finding connection and to be able to go deeper within ourselves more than ever, especially because I don't know about your social media feed, but mine, every other moment, there's a, hey, come to this free thing or come to this free thing or try this or try that, which is also awesome in a way, right? Like I know I do. I'm doing a for free um, for free workshop series, which has been the biggest gift for me, not only just because, well, just because I get to then share all my stuff with everybody and share my knowledge. Um, so I want to talk about that because there may be people out there right now that then can access 
uh, try different holistic approaches to their own trauma healing. So what do you, when you're talking about holistic approaches, tell, talk to me about that side of your work. Well, I call it play because I love what I do. So I like that. <laughs> right? I'm like, not really work, but it is. <laughs> but tell me about that. Sure. Well, I think it, it obviously started with my own journey, you know, understanding um, so much of where trauma is really stored. And Bessel van der Kolk wrote this amazing book called The Body Keeps the Score. And others may have talked to you about it. I'm just gonna, I know nobody can see this, but I'm holding it up right now because I yeah, love it. Oh my gosh. I actually have it on my desk. I love his work. You and I are going to have a great, I knew this was where I felt it. This is where it's going to be going. I talk about it. him in my book. I love him. Yes. yes. He is just, and I, I have just connected so much to so many parts of what he can put words to that I never, ever would have had. Mm-hmm that sensation of not being connected to your body or how to get reconnected to your pain and why doing yoga may evoke all of this, this tearful release. Mm -hmm. It's really about where the body is stored and also how chronic illness, um, chronic health issues are tied to the trauma because that's been such a part of my journey. And I didn't understand, you know, am I just, born with a body who tends to struggle and is a bit more vulnerable um, because I had an eating disorder for many years and just a lot of chronic health issues, migraines, digestive issues, and all of those things are right in line with anybody who's had trauma mm-hmm. because of where that trauma is needing to be stored in the body. And so I really start to help people to sense their body again, you know, and do some somatic work excuse me, with, um, with releasing, you know, if they can't find the words to their feelings, we immediately go to their body. You know, what is your body feeling? Where is the area of tension and stress? What are the words that you might give it if it had words? And how can we, we meet the needs of whatever is going on there, whether they're feeling trapped, which is often the case, or they're feeling a heaviness and overwhelmed, it's an incredible guide. And I think, you know, the, the ironic part is when we've been through something like rape or sexual abuse, we've become a bit adversarial with our bodies because there's a sort of like, well, my body got me in, tr- in trouble, if you will, or if it wasn't for my body, this, this may or may not have happened. But I think it's reconnecting us to how we can care for and love ourselves on a physical level. You know, I guide people to to yoga, to flotation therapy, which is amazing for bringing out anxiety and and really healing the body and the tissues. Um, And talk about the brain, just a huge amount. Peter Levine's work talks a lot about that. And and polyvagal theory talks about that, which is really about the connection between the brain and the gut and the emotions. Um, And so we even then bring diet in because that's going to affect how we digest things. Yeah. And making sure you're eating well and you're eating the right kinds of foods and also eating enough or not overeating because it runs the gamut there. So that's where we start physically 
and then really tuning into their spirit, you know, and helping them to realize that they have innate value and purpose, that they weren't exempt from that, you know, and I do a lot of faith-based work. And so we, we, if that's what that person is needing and wanting, we certainly bring God into it and help them reconcile that, you know, how could God have allowed this to happen is a, is a huge issue, you know, and reconciling that it, it wasn't at all a deserved thing for them when, right. it, when it did happen. Right. Wow. That's yeah. what kind of somatic um, tools, what do you do? What's your, like when you're talking about somatic healing for you, could you go a little bit more deep into that? Sure, exactly. <laughs> it is, it's called somatic re-experiencing. And so um, oftentimes the words are, are hard to come by at first. And so if a person is saying, oh, I, I don't know how to express what I'm feeling. And this was really true for me. Um, or I feel this block. I cannot figure it out. I can't figure out what's bothering me or why I can't get through this um, thing, why I can't break this pattern. And I know when my therapist initially did it with me, it was so profound, you know, just to tune into your body because we live disconnected. We live totally numb state. It's like body, what body? You know, which is why we can basically walk through brick walls without feeling it. We just put our bodies, and I certainly did, um, until I really started to tune in and listen and realized how much I was I was tuning out, how much pain and discomfort, and the wisdom is absolutely incredible. You know, if I was feeling a heaviness in my legs, you know, then she would ask, you know, what are your legs want to do? Well, they want to run. You know, well, let's let's explore that more. What might you want to be running away from? You know, why might you want to escape this? And you feel trapped in that. And as Bessel van der Kolk says, you know, trauma is, is so traumatic because the body is prevented from doing what it naturally would do, which is escape the situation or fight back. And, and we're preventing from doing what is the most basic um, of human reactions when we're being attacked. Yeah. And so I really, um, you know, if people aren't sure about the words, I just keep persisting, you know, with a lot of love. I was going to say, I'm, I can feel Honestly. that it would be with you, it would just be like absolute compassion and love. And let's go even a step further into that, right? Like, yes. It's it's so it's it's so important. It's vital to be um, to be doing this somatic work as well. And I know I do it a lot in my uh, practice through nature therapy, right? Through like nature healing um, and being out in the wilderness. And it's it's one of the most amazing things watching people go through their process of healing uh, mm-hmm. through their own body and releasing the the stress and the the tension and the you know, rage, oh, so much rage and the anger and the sadness and everything. Yeah. Yeah. I released a lot of my anger, you know, and I I tell people get something obviously that's not going to cause permanent damage (laughs) to your home, like a pillow or a pool noodle or something that's styrofoam and literally just let your body release itself until you can't. And I, I did that. I didn't understand all of the words and I didn't have to. That's what I told them. I said, you may not be able to say, oh, this is what this rage is about. 
but just know that whatever it is, the body is, is needing to release it and it's a healthy release. And that if we don't run away from it, it will actually help us in our healing, just like tears. Because one concept I talk about, and I remember when I was going through my divorce, there were days when I just couldn't stop weeping. And um, I didn't understand that. And I, I said, the only way I know how to describe my tears to my family was that they feel old. And I, I mean, that didn't make any sense to me. What are old tears? But they literally felt like they've been stored inside of me for, for decades. And now I find that true for so many of the people that I work with. You know, they, they are crying from this deep, deep place and they don't understand where the tears could be coming from and why they can't stop. And I said, do they feel old? Yeah. And I, almost always they agree, you know, and I said, just let that little child inside of you cry then because they, they never got the chance. Yeah. 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 I, I'm, yeah. Yeah. I'm actually taking this in right now as well because this resonates so deeply with me. I mean, my crying space we all have a crying space. My crying space was um, in the corner of my closet and I would, that or in the tub, but if I really wanted privacy and to really let it out, I would go into the corner of my closet and hug my teddy bear that I had from when I was 17, which I still have and I still sleep with at night. And I would just let her weep because, you know, I was taught um, to weep is to not be strong. And I never understood that. And um, now I see why I didn't take the chance or have the chance to weep. And instead it was just pick yourself up and go to college and do all the things and just make it right. Just fix it, right? Everything is just fix it. And I'm sure that many people out there are understanding that right now. Wow. Um, but truly, like the biggest thing is that, that for me was also there's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with you. Mm-hmm. No. There's nothing wrong with any of us. We are human, mm-hmm. right? And we all make mistakes and we all have so much to learn from. Yeah. And the tra- my traumas have been my biggest gift. And I can feel it from you too, that it has been for you. Yeah. And I can, I can just see that in your face. And yeah. That, I mean, there's absolutely no doubt that they were gifts even though they were extraordinarily painful. Oh, extraordinarily painful. Thought that death was certain. <laughs> you know, it is the, I, w- I will not survive this. And you yeah. just keep going. Yeah. For whatever that is. But that is just so beautiful because I, I jokingly say we women gravitate towards any, anywhere with indoor plumbing when we cry. <laughs> and I don't know why that is. Bathrooms, kitchens you know, or, or closets, which are all closed in safe spaces, but, um, it really is just parenting, mothering ourselves in that, in that moment. Mm -hmm. And I say tears are a really strong move. Yeah. They're so cleansing. I love crying. I, I, I love crying. Like, I really do. It's just so cleansing. I used to have, uh, and this is a little tool for anybody that's out there listening, and I, I use this actually. I shared this with one other guy who, um, over the phone when he said, 
I just keep crying. And I said, you know what? Keep crying. Don't stop. Don't force yourself to stop. And what I told him was, for me, my one uh, tool that I used was imagining I would close my eyes and I would imagine my heart was wringing itself out like an old wash rag, right? Mm -hmm. And it was just wringing itself so tight. And I said, just let, just let it do its thing. Let your heart do its thing. And it will. Just let it wring it out. And then just watch it come back to life again once you shed those tears. It's a beautiful process. What a beautiful image. I, I'm going to use that because that is so Feel free. And I, I, if you don't mind. No, I, feel free. And you know what? I'm actually making a note because I didn't even put that in my book and I need to. Uh, uh, yeah. Yes. The, the Schulting tear method. <laughs> your method. I will, I will coin it. <laughs> well, you know, what's interesting is you're sitting here talking about, um, Bessel van der Kolk and I like, I love his work too. I just, I think anybody, anybody that has lived through any type of trauma, well, pretty much everybody in the world should read the book, quite frankly, because yeah. there are, it will allow you the opportunity to understand others as well. Yes. Uh, like for me, trauma brain. I mean, I talk about that today. I was texting my ex-husband about something and I said, I know I've asked this a thousand times, but what is this? And he said, remember, this is blah, 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 blah. And I said, okay, let me remind you, please do not start the text with remember because, you know, yes, I would love to remember. <laughs> Unfortunately for me in trauma brain, I, the memory is, is what can be an issue for me. Uh, it just is. And it has been. And, I, and I've learned to accept that. And sometimes I just laugh about it because... I don't know if that was for you, but um, in terms of trauma brain, but did you have that too? Did you have like loss of memory and do you still have that? Oh yeah, a hundred percent. And in fact, you know, I actually went through Dr. Daniel Amen's clinic because A, I wanted to be able to recommend it to my clients. And, and so I, I go through anything short of, you know, prescribed drugs to test something before I would recommend it. And so when they do the scan of your brain, they can actually see areas where this sort of thing has happened. Um, and it was very humbling. It was one of those moments where you realize the damage that's been done and you just have to love yourself in that moment because I saw the holes. I saw the damage that had been done and I'm still healing through that. Um, and it, there's so much grace. I mean, grace has just been a huge part of my life, having to love myself and have grace for myself. And um, people will come in and say, oh, I've had a brain scan and I have all of these, you know, these um, like lacerations and there's all this damage. And I said, you know what? They said, I, I, it just, it's just ugly. And I said, mm. your brain is so beautiful. What? Mm happens when you do trauma healing is those lesions actually heal over yeah they do a scan before and after they can see that but it is living with some of the permanent markers yeah. and one of them is an opportunity for grace if you'll let it be rather than saying oh you know why did this have to happen to me um, that's, that's what I try to use it as. And I'm, I certainly have those moments when it's totally infuriating that I can't remember or that it's hard to sort of organize certain ways, um, certain spaces. It's hard to, to read in sometimes to conversations 
That's another symptom of trauma brain. Trying to guess at that implied message can sometimes be a challenge, but the more we understand, the more we can have compassion, and then I think we can ask the people in our life for, for them to understand and communicate a little differently. Yeah, uh, for me, it's, it's I've never had the brain scan done. I wish I would have. Um, just for now, because I, I think it would be just fascinating to look at and see really what it was like. Mm-hmm. Right. And, um, and even though now, even, even, even at my point right now, I still, I still struggle with it. There's so many times that I have to <laughs> remind my kids, Hey, just remember, I forget things. And they, they've actually caught on to it now where they will, if I say, if they say, hey, you know, if you're going to the grocery store, could you get? Yeah, yeah, sure, I will. And then they always follow up with a text, like, mom, <laughs> these are the things that I'm like you to grab. Or if it's, you know, my son in the middle of the day will send this text message, hey, don't forget, 3.30, this is when. I'm like, thank you for the reminder, because in addition to the fact that we've lived through trauma, there are many of us that are also parents. Or we're dealing with other people, right? Like we have to take care of other people if it's, if it's our parents or whatever it is. So it's not, you know, we're also having to, to we have a lot of balls in the air. There's a lot of things that we're taking care of. Um, all of a sudden we're divorced and we're sitting here with, okay, now I have to sell the house. Now I have to figure out how to do my own finances. Now I have to figure out how to completely reconstruct my life. And I'm dealing with trauma brain where I forget everything. And so there was just a, or maybe it's loss of sleep on top of it, right? Or high anxiety and or depression. And I mean, it, there's a lot. And so for me, it was really about just ex- exactly as you said, give yourself grace, be very compassionate. Um, I talk about hugging your brain, hug your brain, you guys, hug your brain. You can hug yourself, hug your brain, hug your body. Just remember that this brain was given to you. This brain was, it's a gift. And just love it, even for what it is, right? Like even those moments where you're just, ah, just love it, love on it. Love will do so much. Just love yourself. We immediately think it's, we're going to be too lazy, I think, or that it's sort of, it's copping out or you're just being polite. And I'm, you know, people want the drill sergeant sometimes. And I, I, I don't know if you find that when you say love your brain and love yourself, you're like, well, that'll just make me weak. You know, that's, that's going to make me too soft. And it is exactly the opposite. It's just the opposite. Yeah. Trust us. <laughs> trust Amy yes. and me. Just yes. trust us. We've tried it the other way. <laughs> we have tried it the other way. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. So can I, how much do you love nature? I love nature. I, okay. I do. It's just finding my, my sort of spot in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the beach is somewhere I go and in about five seconds, I'm just totally relaxed. And I yeah. Have- so I realized, so I've been doing, I'm, I'm going to share this with you um, as a professional, 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 and also trauma survivor to trauma survivor and all the things. And I want, I want to um, see if you found this. So, you know, most, the average human spends only 7% of their life outdoors. Did you know that? No. Isn't that crazy? That is, <laughs> that's scary. Actually. It's really scary. It's really scary. Uh, and um, most adults spend an average of 11 plus hours on 
screen time. Mm -hmm. Children, I believe it's seven hours, which is really scary. Yeah. I know it's very chilling. Uh, and so, um, Richard Louvre does, um, nature therapy. And so we're talking about the whole holistic thing, which is, this is why I'm also bringing this up with you. Um, and he talks about uh, nature deficit disorder and how we as humans are stepping away from mother earth, stepping away from nature. When in reality, we feel most alive outdoors. And uh, then, of course, then you know the work of Bessel van der Kolk and how he always says one of the most important things to do in your daily life as, a tr as you're working through your traumas is to find alive moments in the day, to find moments where you feel most alive, of gratitude, of love, of joy, right? And how fascinating that where we feel most alive is outdoors. But yeah, where we don't go is outdoors. <laughs> and, is, and I'm bringing this up to all of you out there right now that are um, thinking that your trauma uh, recovery needs to be some in-depth, huge, long, arduous you know, process. No, no. Both of us right now are shaking our heads. No. Yes, it's work. And... It's available to you in many, many ways. And one of the ways, as you were talking about through somatic healing, is also simply get your butts outside. Um, there's so much that, that where it helps your brain uh, to be able to find the clarity and it slows your executive brain and it rises your cerebellum. We're, we've been talking about trauma brain. And, um, and there's so many good opportunities for all of us to be able to do that in very simple ways. I really, like I said, starting out, like I want to take away the shame from this whole thought process and what trauma is. I want to take shame out of it and I want to take the scariness out of it and have people be able to see it as an opportunity for their biggest growth and their biggest um, being able to live, just simply freaking live, live. So I found that to be very fascinating and I, I see just by looking at you that that's touching a a very deep place in your heart, right? Isn't it? Isn't it interesting? It's just beautiful. And I, I'm sitting here thinking about all the moments. Um, for me, it's about capturing some really distinct details in nature. Mm -hmm. for instance, I would notice the different air when I was in Italy versus when I'm in my parents' home and their beautiful 10 acres in the Midwest versus is, you know, somewhere in Mexico and just how beautiful that is and how the sky is different um, and how much I miss it mm -hmm. when I'm not there and when I can't be there, you yeah. know, just it's, it's a, a really fundamental ache. It's, it's hard to put words to that but just wanting to breathe in a certain kind of air or see a certain um, part of nature and realizing that you can't, um, it just feels so unnatural. Um, but hiking in mountains and just getting to actually interact with nature, I think is also so healing because it is such a loving space. You know, yeah. There isn't anything that nature wants to do to you. <laughs> 
Right. Very true. You are, and you can actually, you know, be so vulnerable and so authentic there, you know, which may mean not showering every day, or it may mean not having makeup on or things that, that are only something that we see ourselves or our family sees about us, but something about being in nature says, I just take you as you are. Yeah. It's a, it's an ability to connect in a different way. Yes. Um, disconnect yes. from all of these screens and reconnect yes. with who we are. Yes. Yeah. Which is, that's goes back to that whole somatic healing thing too. Right. And so it's, yes. it's a beautiful process. And I think as a culture, we're starting to actually wake up to that a little bit, even though we're, we're so reliant on our screens for connection. I we're connecting through a screen today, but it is also about saying, but there's a balance. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. We are on that. Tr- I, I do a thousand percent agree with you. Yeah. So you mentioned to me that you have um, a program that you're starting out. Could you tell me a little bit more about that for all of our listeners? Sure, I would love to. It's a group coaching program for women um, about getting stronger through crisis. Mm-hmm. As I look around at, at what we're facing and the panic and this, what I call a cultural trauma trigger, um, you know, I see a lot of the women and couples I work with actually more calm because they're used to trauma. Yeah. This is no big deal. But I also see people really struggling because it it is like putting an additional structure on a cracked foundation. So all the areas in their life that they were struggling with, maybe 50% now that there's the weight of COVID-19, it's now become really, really critical and urgent and they don't want to wait anymore. It's created an urgency in them. And so I really want to want to grow this community for women through initially group coaching to help understand how we can get stronger through crisis, how we can make it a gift, how we can really use it to elevate ourselves and have the support of other women in that. Because I also talk to all of these women who are living separately wanting desperately to connect to other women who are about lifting each other up and not just venting or complaining about life. And so that's going to be launching the beginning of May. Um, More information is is available about that because I really want it to be a healing and empowering space because almost everybody who crosses my door says – I want you to help me get strong again. Yeah. That is is what it's all about. Yeah. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing all about that. I look forward to hearing more and we will put the link down uh, at the bottom in the show notes and everybody can go there and find that. And then I just want to ask you before we, um, before we end this amazing conversation that could go on forever. um, What would you like to tell my listeners, uh, our listeners, um, what kind of, what piece of advice would you give them um, in their own trauma healing? I think to recognize um, if there is a determination to find the gift in it and find the purpose in it, it will happen. You know, that nothing, nothing is wasted. There is a despondency that happens when we think I've wasted all these years or, 
or, or that person wasted such a huge part of my life by what they did to me, or if only that hadn't happened. And, and that leaves us with nothing to take away from it. And it leaves us in, in, a, in a deficit in our hearts and in our lives. But when I reflect back on like what, what really kept me going, um, when there was not much else to keep me going, it was knowing that there would be purpose to this because that's something my parents, parents instilled in me from a very early age and how, how much that can sustain you, that God has you here for a purpose. Yes. Created and and it doesn't have to be speaking to millions or writing a New York Times bestseller to be valuable and necessary. And if you can just cling to that, that if you are determined to not waste this and and gain from it, it will happen. And there are people like Sarah and like me who want passionately to help you connect with that. So I love ending with aho, mm -hmm. and that is a definite aho. That's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for uh, being here um, and for taking time out of your day for everybody to listen to your story and to learn from it and to grow with it. And um, I look forward to so many more adventures with you. It's going to oh, happen. I know it. I can feel it. So thank you. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much, Sarah. It has just been my privilege to be here. Thank you. Friends, thank you for listening to the Live Boldly podcast. I am grateful to have you here, and I would love to invite you over to sarahshultoncrans.com to grab my free seven steps to a joy-filled life. I share these seven steps from my own heart, soul, and experience these steps transformed my own life from victim to survivor. Also, please, let's all be a ripple effect of change in today's world. I ask of you to please share this podcast with others that may need to be inspired or who need to hear from others going through where they are right now. To grow this podcast, please leave an iTunes review, go to my Instagram or Facebook page, and let me know what you think. I love hearing from each and one of you. I love sharing your thoughts, messages, and inspiring words. Because we are not alone in this world, friends. Let's keep the ripple moving. It begins with each one of us. I love you and have a great remainder of your day. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.